Thank you for tuning in to the Lakewood Grace Podcast. We're a church in Lakewood, Washington, and whether you're listening from around the corner or from around the world, we're glad that you're here. We hope this sermon equips you to be the Christian the world needs today. If you'd like to learn more about us, head on over to lakewoodgrace.com. And now, for this week's sermon. Good morning. It is so good to be with you. Welcome. It is You are in the right place. There is no other place. God would rather have us to be than right here in God's house, worshiping God. The text for this morning comes to us from 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 18 through chapter 4, verse 6. Listen now to God's word to you and to me. For Christ died for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive by the Spirit, through whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prisons, who disobeyed long ago when God waited patiently in the days of Noah while the ark was being built. In it, only a few people, eight in all, were saved through water. And this water symbolizes baptism now that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a good conscience toward God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God, with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with this same attitude, Because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. As a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They think it is strange that you do not plunge with them into the same flood of dissipation and they heap abuse on you, but they will have to give an account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. For this is the reason the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead, so that they might be judged according to men in regard to the body, but live in accordance to God in regard to the spirit." This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, this passage is admittedly one of the most difficult passages in all of Scripture. Uh, Bible interpreters from the days of Martin Luther to the current day have scratched their heads trying to figure out and make sense of What in the world is Peter talking about? He's talking about Jesus preaching to dead people. He's preaching about Noah. And so Bible scholars and interpreters have have been scratching their heads over what in the world do we do with a passage like this? And I think part of the reason is because we're trying to read First Peter, through modern-day Western eyes. And I think if we go back to the context of when Peter wrote this letter in the first century, 
that might give us a clue as to how we might approach this text. Remember, the church is brand new, only a couple of decades old at, that t- at the time Peter wrote this letter. The church is brand new. The church is undergoing persecution, and it would only get worse. The church is moving from the realization that the imminent expectation of Christ's return isn't happening. In fact, their Christian brothers and sisters, their Christian friends and parents are dying, not only of persecution, but of old age. And this imminent return, the expectation that Christ was going to return in our lifetime at any moment. And so we need to do whatever we can as the church to prepare the world for Christ's second coming. That's not happening. And so they're moving from this idea of Christ's imminent return to, okay, how do we figure out how to live life now as aliens and exiles? And this was a huge shift for the New Testament church. How is the church supposed to understand and view their present suffering, their present life, present persecution? How are they supposed to understand, hey, I thought Jesus said he would return before some of us would die. And he, where, where is Christ? What, are, what happens to all those who die in the Lord, and what happens particularly to those who died before Jesus arrived. So there are two things, and there are so many things that we could focus on in our text today, but we don't have the time. So we're only going to focus on two ideas today. First has to do with how we are to interpret Scripture, and particularly these letters. The second has to do with the amazing cosmic nature of the work of God through Jesus Christ. So those are the two things we'll focus on. First has to do with how we interpret scripture and in these letters in particular. And remember, when Peter wrote this letter to the church, he wrote to real people. He wrote to real people who had real questions, and he's answering real questions. And here's the thing, if it didn't make sense to Peter's original audience, and in fact, Peter was writing to, let's say, you and me here in 2020, having to deal with COVID-19, if that was the leap, Peter was thinking about you and me, this letter would have made no sense to the original audience. It had to have dealt with what the first century Christians were dealing with. So it's a mistake to go from this printed word as you're interpreting scripture and start asking, okay, what is God saying to me? What's Peter trying to say to me through this text? Let me give you an example. Back when I was in college, I spent one entire summer in Africa. And kids, back before the internet, back before email, Back before faxes, we had to write letters. You know, when Helen and I were dating, we were writing letters. And it took six weeks for a letter to go from the United States to arrive in Uganda, Africa. And so imagine, you know, she would 
write a letter, and then my response would take another six weeks. That's 12 weeks before we could respond to one another and communicate. But those letters were so precious to me when I was in Africa. Now, imagine if Brad got a hold of one of those letters, and instead of seeing it as Helen writing a letter to me, he goes immediate to, immediately to, what does this letter mean to me? That would be totally out of context. And the meaning of the letter would be totally lost because they were written to two real people, from real people, dealing with real life issues. And if someone comes in, they can't take that letter and say that letter was, those words were for me in that immediate context. So what we have to do with these letters in the New Testament is before we ask the question, what does this mean for me in 2020? You have to first ask, what did it mean for Peter's church in first century Roman Empire in Asia Minor? What did it mean for them? What was Peter trying to communicate to them? And when we don't take that step, we misread scripture. The second thing uh, uh, has to do with the amazing cosmic nature of the work of God for salvation through Jesus Christ. Okay, I know that sounds kind of fancy smancy. Let's go back to Uganda. Uh, and let me set up the context for you because I think the question that the first century church was dealing with was a real question that Peter's trying to address here. So when I was a college student, uh, again, I spent one summer out in Africa and Uganda, and um, I was trained by Youth for Christ. I mean, the training was like a week long for college kids to go out to all over the world uh, with Youth for Christ. But uh, and mainly, what I was supposed to be doing in the summertime was dig ditches and and fill up holes. And, you know, I'm just a college kid, and I go out to Uganda, and because I'm with Youth for Christ, one of the things that started happening was I got invitations to preach and teach as a college student, and so I did that. And I'll never forget one time I was asked to go preach to a village, and I went and preached at this village, uh, and the village elder wanted to receive Christ. And I'm like, awesome. Yeah, so I lead him through a prayer and ask him to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, and he does that. And I thought that was fantastic. And then the next thing he says to me is, okay, please preach to my family. They would love to know about Jesus Christ. So I thought that was even better. And so I go with him to meet his family, and he takes me to his family burial grounds and says, preach. My mother recently died, and I know she would have loved to have heard about Jesus. <laughs> As a college student, I'm thinking, what the heck? This was not covered in our Youth for Christ training. What am I supposed to do? This guy expects me to preach to dead people. So uh, on the spur of the moment, I'm like, well, 
there's not just the dead people here, but his children and wives. He had multiple wives, and they're all there. So I'm going to preach the gospel. So I preached the gospel to dead people that day. And here's the fundamental question that not only that man, but the first century Christians dealt with. The, first, the question they dealt with was, okay, so since you didn't arrive until recently with the gospel of Jesus Christ, what happens to all those who have died before Christ? And that was a real question for the first century Christians. Everyone they knew prior to the gospel arriving had no access to Jesus Christ. So what about all those people who lived before Jesus? Are they damned just because the gospel didn't reach them before they died? Are they damned just because Jesus didn't arrive until a particular moment in history? What about all those other people? Is there not a plan for them? And this passage answers that question. And I love how Peter handles this so pastorally. Every Christian in Peter's church had family, friends who died prior to the gospel. And Peter wants to address them to know that God's grace is greater than even time, even this created universe. I love what Fred Craddock says about this passage. He says, First Peter moves the readers beyond themselves, beyond their community, beyond Asia Minor to contemplate the cosmic significance of the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. My former New Testament professor, Paul Ochtemeyer, says, Christ's death had more significance than for the living only. It had significance even for those who are lying in the bonds of death, not even death prior to the appearance of Christ could separate the ungodly from Christ's proclamation of God's redemption and mercy. William Barclay says, Christ descended into Hades and preached there. There is no corner of the universe into which the message of grace has not come. Jesus Christ not only tasted death, but drained the cup of death of all power. The triumph of Christ is universal, and there is no corner of the universe into which the grace of God does not reach. Not even hell itself can shield itself in the grace of Jesus Christ. God's work in Jesus Christ is not only bound by the times or location. God's work in Jesus Christ is for all time, for all of eternity, for all of God's created universe. There is not a single place, single inch in this created universe for all of eternity that God's grace does not cover. Man, that is awesome. The truth about God revealed in the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is that no one, nowhere, no time, no place, past, present, future, lies outside the seeking and saving love and grace of Jesus Christ. So here's the conclusion to today's text, our takeaway. Peter's message to the first century church was, Hey, church, I know we're disappointed that Jesus 
isn't coming right now. And I know we're disappointed that our friends have died. And I know you're struggling because of this persecution and suffering. But this suffering, this little suffering, given the awesome cosmic nature of the work of God through Jesus Christ, do you think God's taken aback by what's happening now? And that same message is true for us today. Friends, I know this has been a hard time with COVID-19. I know you would much rather be here right now, and I want you to be here. I'm looking at a stinking camera. I would much rather have you be here. Well, I'm actually looking at Lisa behind the camera. But I'd much rather have you here in a full sanctuary. I know this has been hard. I know some of us have dealt with depression. All right. Friends, we're sorry about the technical difficulties. Uh, we knew that was supposed, that was going to be one of our learning curves. Apparently, there's five of you watching now, and I know three of us here have our phones going. So there's two of you out there getting this message. Uh, so well done. Um, so here's the thing. Uh, our conclusion is this. Just as the cosmic nature of the work of God through Jesus Christ was the thing that gave the first century Christians the strength to live, the question that we are asking of ourselves is, do you think what's happening with COVID-19 is taking God aback today? God is at work, friends. God's love and grace and triumph and his kingdom rules, and there is not a square inch of the created universe for all of eternity that God's love does not cover. God's love for us and the world is not bound by time or by location. So believe in God, trust in Jesus, and be guided by his Holy Spirit. Amen. Let us pray. Dear God, we give you thanks for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to worship even with this technical glitch. We ask for your guidance and presence. And Lord, if there's anyone now who is hearing these words who haven't yet bowed their knee to you as Lord and Savior, we take this time now. Friends, listen, if you've never received Jesus as Lord and Savior, God loves you. God has a plan and purpose for you. And you are not living at this time, at this place, by accident. God loves you. And so the first process, the first thing we do with God's love is to receive him as Lord and Savior. And that's what I'd like to invite you to do, just like that man in Africa. The way we become followers of Jesus is to first confess, Jesus, forgive me my sins. I receive you as Lord and Savior. And now I choose to follow you. 
And if you've said that prayer, friends, welcome to the family. You just went from being a sinner condemned by our sins to becoming an heir, a son and a daughter of Jesus Christ. Welcome. Lord, for the rest of us, God, you know, we when we lose sight of your amazing love that will even go into the depths of hell to proclaim the gospel to those who haven't heard that news. Lord, when we forget that, we focus too much and our problems become too big. So God, thank you for this recalibration where we can remember who you are again, to remember what you've already done on the cross of Jesus Christ. So thank you, God. And may that kingdom and may that love and may that grander vision give us the hope and the strength to not only endure, but for us to thrive and mature during these days of COVID-19. Thank you, God. You are awesome. In Jesus' name we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen. Thank you again for listening to the Lakewood Grace Podcast. Please be sure to subscribe and then head on over to lakewoodgrace.com slash connect where you'll find a link to contact us or you can fill out a communication card. Have a wonderful week. God bless.